during the course of the examination. And obviously, as you will know, that entirely reflects the established uh, process for dealing with the local planning authorities' plan-making responsibilities, and it also properly respects that important distinction in the 2004 Act between plan preparation and plan examination. Referred, you have the task set out by Section 20 uh, of the 2004 Act, and as you know, the Council has invited you, uh, for the purposes of Section 20, subsection 7C, to recommend any main modifications that you find to be necessary uh, to make uh, the plan sound. And the Council fully recognises, and I think this is again, it's referred to in the letter uh, of the 27th of June, that the process rests with you as the examining inspectors in relation to main modifications and not with the Council. So the, the point about, in a sense, Council having a second bite at the cherry, etc., we absolutely understand that the legislation does not uh, enable that and that is not something which uh, is uh, part of the regime. Obviously, as again I think we've said in the letter, uh, we uh, accept that clearly for the purpose of assisting you during the course of the examination, if there are issues of soundness uh, which you raise or as it were potential issues of soundness that you raise and therefore discussion about potential proposed main modifications to deal with those issues arises, obviously the Council is happy and indeed already has participated in that debate, as you've seen, I think, from our, some of our matters statements where we've indicated, well, if that's an issue, then that could be dealt with by this. But that, that's, I say, that's, 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 I say, all, all the norm, uh, which is, uh, I say, what we are intending to uh, uh, participate and respect. Uh, and then turning to uh, Planning Magazine, August Journal, as it may be, um, uh, it is... Uh, I have to say slightly surprising uh, uh, that the Council is being asked to comment on matters appearing in the planning press. Uh, um, we're not clear in uh, what circumstances the press uh, came to uh, the inspector's attention, uh, but can I, can I just say it is a, a general point. Um, obviously, uh, given that this is a formal uh, process um, in terms of an examination, uh, there needs to be caution in placing any reliance on matters that are not submitted as a formal part of the examination uh, process. And as, Madam, you know, the examination is evidence-based and it's important not merely from the viewpoint of the Council, but from the viewpoint of all participants, that the evidence that may lead to decisions is available in the examination and can be scrutinised by uh, all uh, concerns, as opposed to what might be wider matters. I mean, we all know that we all live in the real world and things, uh, as it were, uh, are known, uh, as it were, to, to each of us individually, uh, which might not be known to the participants, but uh, clearly there needs to be a transparent process and um, 
obviously something has come to your attention and you have raised it with us openly in the examination. I make no complaint about that, but I just sort of, uh, sort of do suggest caution in a sense of a sense going uh, uh, outside of the examination for pieces of information because that's not really what the process should uh, involve. If I can possibly make an exception to that, which would be clearly if the um, Department for Housing, Communities and Local Government issued some new guidance, whether to the planning inspectorate or to the planning system generally, one would be, I think, uh, um, exercising common sense, saying, well, we would expect the inspectors to become aware of, let's say, a new issue of the PPG or a new ministerial statement or something like that, without it necessarily having to have been raised uh, by others first, but outside of, as it were, things which might be emanations from government, I say I think we would be urging great caution uh, in, uh, as it were, the inspectors taking account of noises off, if I can call it that, as opposed to matters which are formally part of the examination. So that, that's the kind of the general uh, remark. But then turning to the uh, specifics, and you will obviously appreciate that there is uh, a distinction uh, between um, uh, there is the council, there are officers of the council, and there are members of the council. And uh, there is a press article, uh, which is, well, to be blunt, a press article, uh, and it records apparently views expressed in an interview by one of the councillors, Councillor uh, Lodge, and uh, I don't know uh, to what extent in uh, any absolute terms the interview is a faithful record of, uh, or rather the report is a faithful record of everything in uh, the interview, but nonetheless, even if you take it at face value, and I say I'll just, I'll just leave that there as to whether that is the right way to read a press article, even if you take it as at face value, those views were not provided in any formal statement uh, by the leader of the council. They cannot in any event change the constitutional position as set out in the letter of the 27th of June uh, of this year, and nor can they change the legal position as set out in the 2004 Act as to who has the responsibility for and control of any main modifications. And so, Madam, so far as the Council is concerned, the Council is not putting to you, uh, as it were, a package, a Plan B with 2,000 or some other number less uh, dwellings in it as its housing requirement. The Council isn't uh, suggesting to you uh, that it wants to produce evidence in terms of further evidence to deal with uh, those matters and therefore obviously the, the points you rightly raised about were that to be the case the logistical implications in terms of consultation strategic environmental assessment uh, also part people who are not participants in the plan because they've looked at what it is and they've chosen not to make represent all of those points I absolutely accept all of those points and if we had been wanting to go down that line those points would have needed to be explored but we are not proposing to go down that line 
So, Madam, the position, uh, so far as the Council is concerned, remains as it was. There is no change to the uh, plan as put forward. Obviously, if, as you have gone through the course of the examination and heard the representations that have been made and aired by other parties, if you then, in the light of that, wish to ask the Council to do X or Y, again in the normal way as would happen, clearly the Council will seek to assist and cooperate in all of that. But that's certainly not the basis on which we're starting the examination. So, Madam, I hope that makes the position clear enough. Thank you. Yes, that's, 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 that's helpful. Um, just so that you're aware that the, the press article wasn't presented to us by anybody else. As inspectors, we get a feed of this stuff every day. It kind of pops up in our email and you yeah. skim it and kind of think, that applies to me, that yeah. doesn't, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it rang alarm yeah. bells when we were yeah. ready on Friday and thought, yeah. oh, what's, yeah. what's happening, kind of. And, and I think for the people here as well, lots of people here will have seen it, yeah. presumably. We're yeah. all wired into this constant yeah. feed of press releases and yeah. articles and things. So... Um, so I think it's important that everybody's clear from yeah. the start um, because people are here obviously in good faith expecting yeah. to be heard on the basis of, of the plan as submitted and I yeah. think that we need to be clear that that's going to be the case and the yeah. council are going to defend it yeah. um, which is yeah, positive, good news as, as far yeah. as I'm aware. Yeah. Good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Is that still Okay, so I'll carry on with my uh, normal opening now. We've kind of got that aired and dealt with and everybody's clear about what the Council's position is, which is obviously very important. Um, see where I left off. Um, yeah, so this is stage one of the hearings, part of the examination. The later stages of the hearings will focus on things like development management policies, specific site allocations and the supply of delivering housing land. There may be things that we deal with over the next couple of weeks um, that has to come back at a later date. It's, it's all a bit, nobody ever knows quite exactly what's going to happen at this stage um, on the first day of an examination, so it's, it, it just sort of flux a little bit. The guidance notes explain more about the examination. We've identified a number of matters, issues um, and questions for the, this stage of the hearings to be investigated, taking account of representations made on the plan. The hearing sessions which start today will be based on these matters and issues. They're all on the Council's um, examination website, so you should have all seen those. Um, and as we've alluded to already, there are already some um, proposed modifications to the plan and that's, um, for anybody that's not seen it, it's core document ED11. The version we've got is 30th of May 2019, version 2, is that the latest one? Yeah. So there may be various things that come out of the hearings over the next few weeks and that tends to get updated um, on a fairly regular basis at various points in the, uh, in the examination. Um, these may need consulting upon and further sustainability may also be required at the end of the final hearing sessions. Can I ask the Council to keep a running schedule of changes it proposes, supports or has no objection to throughout the sessions and we'll do the same um, and then at the end of each day if there are any we'll just have a recap of, as to where we're up to and, and come up with a, a list at the end so that nothing um, gets forgotten. Um, a timetable for the hearing sessions has been produced along with those people participating. There's obviously quite a lot of people here today. It's all a bit of a squeeze, um, but we'll just have to kind of 
do our best. Um, and it might be that I think Louise is going to sit at the back later in, this, in the session so that she can point out if there's people at the back um, need to speak this morning because I can't see everybody and I can't see everybody's names. So it might be that the people on the front are fairly straightforward. But beyond that, if you want to speak, if you just um, tell me what your name is and where you're from um, and we'll bring you in. So the stage one hearing sessions will run until Thursday the 19th of July. The sessions are open to the public to observe, but only participants around the table will be able to speak. The hearing sessions are not an opportunity for participants to introduce points that were not included in their representations to the Council's consultation at the beginning of last year. And again, for fairness, just the same reasons we pointed out to the Council, we need to be all be clear about what, what we're coming to the table with. Um, and we will not be hearing evidence about emission sites. Uh, quite a few years ago that used to happen. We don't do that anymore. Should I find that the council need to allocate more sites, then it will be for the council to, to identify the sites and test those. Following the close of the final hearing session, um, so not those currently timetabled, the ones that will happen sometime in the future, um, we'll prepare our report to the council. The sessions this week um, will start to set out on the programme and agendas, so there will be a mid-morning and mid-afternoon breaks, as well as a lunch break between around 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock. The days where we're running straight through, we might be a bit more flexible about breaks. Today it's slightly different because we've got advertised sessions um, at certain times of the day, so we have to be a bit more rigid about that. Um, can we stress that all participants should be seated and ready to begin the session at the allocated time and return promptly from breaks. Um, there's a lot of people here today so we'll probably need to have slightly longer breaks to allow everybody to use the facilities. Um, there is only one lady's toilet on this floor but when it comes to the break I'll explain we've managed to find get access to some more so that it doesn't need an hour's break for everybody to use the, the toilet. Um, the hearing sessions are relaxed and informal discussions focusing on the particular matter being considered. We've produced agendas for each session based on our original matters and issues paper and in light of statements received from the council and others. There are some additional questions for some of the sessions um, on the agendas that weren't on the original MIQs. We'll try and guide you through there so we kind of can keep tally with, with those uh, responses to the, uh, to the MIQs. So we'll be asking a series of questions and asking council and others to contribute as appropriate. Um, everyone will be given the opportunity to speak if they wish to do so. If you wish to speak, if, you, if you've not been to these before, you've got these sort of nameplates, if you can put them on end, as I say, I'll try and see, or we'll try and see who we can today. If, if you think we've not seen you, they might have to wave your, your arms in the air a little bit or whatever. Um, we're aware that some participants may not be used to such events. Um, we'll ensure that everybody is able to contribute and make their case. Um, and, you know, try not to feel scared. I know there are a few people here this morning that are feeling a bit anxious about this. It's a new experience, but, um, yeah, we'll uh, try and make it as painless as possible because it's important that everybody um, has their say. So, Ms. Worthington will be leading on some sessions and I'll be leading on others. It is a joint examination. Um, and, and that will be the same throughout the, um, the whole examination and the final report will have our, both our names on it. Um, but it might be that we sort of chip into each session as well. So if Miss um, Worthington is doing a session or I'm doing one, we might kind of chip in with questions that, that occur to us as we go along. So um, once we finish these um, initial um, uh, the, these initial announcements, um, I'll give the council an opportunity to 
Do you have an opening statement, or have you kind of said what you need to say? Or? There is a very brief opening That's statement. Fine. So which we'll I'm, come to that yeah. in a moment, um, because it probably covers the wider issues than what we've already um, um, just discussed. So just a few housekeeping points. And the, so the toilets are sort of this building's curved, and they're sort of on the corridor at the back of here, and there are some more. I say we'll, we'll deal with that when we come to the break. Um, there's no fire alarm planned, so if the alarm goes off its rail, there's quite, quite a lot of people in here at the moment, so we'd need to... Um, go out in a considerate way so if you go through the door you can see there's a green um, sign with a man and, and then down the main stairs and, and out the front door so it's fairly straightforward um, exit from here um, I don't think there's any other is anything else you think I've no. missed no, no okay great Thank you. So I'll turn to the council and then we'll just have a few minutes break just so we can reorganise our papers before we move to um, matter one. Thank you. Thank you, Madam. Uh, Madam, thank you for the opportunity to present an opening statement and welcome to the district. The commencement of the hearing sessions for the examination represents an important milestone in the progress of the Uttlesford local plan towards adoption. Uttlesford District Council has been working on the draft plan since 2015 following the withdrawal of the previous plan and as a reminder of the journey so far I'd like to now just briefly outline the work the Council has undertaken uh, in developing the draft plan. In 2015, the Council started work on the local plan and consulted on an issues and options paper in October of that year. In this early stage, the Council identified areas of search and undertook a call for sites in order to identify deliverable and developable sites to allocate in the local plan. Following the issues and options consultation, the Council decided on a hybrid uh, strategy, that's the phrase I think that's been used on a number of documents, for meeting the district's development needs in a full council meeting on the 26th of July 2016. That hybrid uh, included a mix of expanding existing uh, settlements and also new garden communities uh, as uh, appropriate. The Council uh, then undertook a series of evidence-based studies to inform the next stage of the local plan, these looking at transport, heritage, landscape and wider infrastructure requirements. In the summer of 2017, the Council consulted on a Regulation 18 Preferred Option Style local plan. Council received a significant number of representations to this consultation and as a result of those representations undertook further evidence-based work to inform the plan, the Council then published a Regulation 19 draft submission local plan in the summer of 2018 with the aim of submitting uh, the draft plan in the autumn of that year. At around the same time, the Regulation 19 plan was published. The inspector examining the North Essex Authority's local plan published a series of letters questioning their plans and evidence base You'll be obviously well aware Braintree District is one of those participating authorities and is immediately adjacent uh, to Uttlesford. As a result of this, the Council undertook two key actions. Firstly, the Council published an addendum of focus changes that sought to recognise the elevated level of risk around the delivery of the West of Braintree garden community and set out what measures Uttlesford District Council will take if there are delivery issues at West of Braintree. 
And secondly, following a review of Uttlesford's sustainability appraisal, the Council published an updated sustainability appraisal in January of 2019, shortly before submitting the local plan uh, on the 18th of January. The submission of the local plan for independent examination marked the end of the process of plan preparation for the purposes of the 2004 Act and the beginning of the external scrutiny of the plan by uh, Madam Yu and Ms Worthington. If I now then just give a broad outline of the strategy uh, of the plan and how it proposes to meet the needs of the district. So the spatial strategy, the evidence base supporting the local plan identifies a need to plan for 14,000 homes and 16,000 jobs between 2011 and 2033. Uttlesford is a rural district of outstanding character that has distinctive historic market towns and a, small, sorry, and a large number of small, beautiful villages. The district has a rich history with around 3,700 listed buildings, 36 conservation areas, seven registered parks and gardens, as well as 73 scheduled monuments. There are two main strategic transportation corridors running through the district, the M11 and the West Anglia Mainline and the A120 which either already do or have the potential uh, to support high-quality sustainable transport links, whereas the rest of the transport network is rural uh, in nature. Those living in the district enjoy a high quality of life and are generally wealthier and healthier than both the England average and the East of England average. Uh, relative deprivation is low with no concentrations of strategic significance. London Stansted Airport lies in the south of the district and provides a range of international air transport services. It's also a regional transport hub as well as being a significant direct and indirect source of employment in the district. The local plan identifies sites to build some 14,753 homes in the plan period, of which 4,156 have been built between 2011 and 2018 and a further 3,364 homes have planning permissions on sites of more than six dwellings. Development in existing towns and villages has been significant in recent years, and this restricts the availability of suitable sites to meet the district's needs. Growth has also impacted on the infrastructure available to support communities. Small-scale development, together with the limitations on the use and pooling of Section 106 uh, receipts, has affected the provision of and access to facilities for education, health, transport and community use. And there's also a concern that further development in the towns and villages of any significant nature will impact on the very character of these places which makes them such great places to live. The hybrid strategy in the local plan seeks to meet the needs of the district whilst respecting the rich heritage of the district and the limited suitable sites around existing settlements and the rural road network away from the M11 and the A120. With that in mind, the local plan plans for the majority of development to be focused at the towns of Saffron Walden, where we are obviously now, at Great Dunmow, and at the new garden communities at Eastern Park, west of Braintree and north Uttlesford. Key villages are then identified as the major focus for development in the rural areas, the garden communities are planned to be developed in line with the Town and Country Planning Association's garden city principles 
and will be well-designed, vibrant exemplars of 21st century living with significant infrastructure planned alongside them to meet the needs of residents and businesses in those communities and the surrounding areas. The district lies at the heart of the UK's innovation corridor, stretching from inner London through East Hertfordshire and Western Essex to Cambridge and Peterborough. And as a functional economic area, it is the most productive region in the UK in terms of economic output. It's seen faster job growth and growth in the number of businesses than any other comparator area. Growth drivers uh, affecting the district include the Cambridge phenomenon to the north, Stansted Airport, Chesterford Research Park within the district, and Harlow Enterprise Zone and Harlow Science Park and London to the south. The plan for job growth in the district focuses on two large-scale employment sites at Stansted Airport and Chesterford Research Park, a number of smaller-scale sites in existing towns, villages and rural area, and then in the garden communities, which will also have significant allocations for employment. Uh, the council has been identified in the government's national garden community programme and has been awarded uh, £750,000 capacity funding to support the delivery of the new garden communities. The council has put in place resources and commenced work to produce development plan documents to plan in further detail the garden communities. Obviously, you know, we'll be dealing with those issues uh, in uh, next, well, the week after next, but uh, week two of the uh, 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 stage one sessions. So, Madam, in terms of just conclusions in these opening remarks, uh, Madam, Council hopes the examining inspectors will share its view that Uttlesford is a great place for residents to live and work and for businesses to grow and thrive. It's the Council's ambition that the growth continues to add value to the place called Uttlesford such that future residents and new businesses also enjoy the same health, wealth and success as is currently enjoyed by existing communities. Uttlesford is a most attractive place of character that enjoys exceptional heritage and natural habitats. Again, it's the Council's ambition that growth provides opportunities to protect and enhance that which makes Uttlesford distinctive. The hybrid strategy in the local plan seeks to protect existing communities' special character by allocating a significant element of development to the new garden communities, which also provides the opportunity to diversify Uttlesford's offer. The Council has put a tremendous amount of effort and resource into developing the draft local plan over the preceding years, identifying the opportunities that allow for necessary growth while mitigating and managing its challenges. The Council considers the strategy and policies in the local plan are the most appropriate way of meeting the development needs of the district. The Council recognises that some other participants in the examination may have different views and it welcomes the scrutiny that the hearing sessions will involve. Obviously, an opening statement is not the place to deal with the merits of the various representations, but the Council very much hopes that all participants will approach this stage of the examination in a constructive and cooperative spirit with the aim of assisting Madam Yu and Ms Worthington as inspectors in the tasks ahead. Thank you. Okay, so I'll just have a few minutes just to reorganise our papers and get the papers we need for the stage one um, 
session, so it'll only take a few moments. What I forgot to mention was that about, we've got, obviously got microphones. Um, you, you obviously use them when you're speaking so that everybody in the room can hear, and we've got people in the balcony up above as well that will then be able to hear. You try and remember to turn them off when you finish speaking, because I think normally they don't work two at a time. I don't know if that's the case. I'm told there's a limit of four, oh, but it's, four, a good, right. it's a good discipline to... Yes, and obviously if you've got them on, be careful. Sometimes people start speaking to the person next to them, saying things that they don't necessarily want the whole room to hear, so be careful of that. That has happened um, at examinations I've been to before, so uh, yeah, just be wary of that. Um, I don't think there's any other points. Has anybody got anything they want to say before we start any issues about attendance at certain times or whatever no okay so we'll just have a few moments just to uh, get Okay, can everybody take their seats and then we can uh, start. I'll just reiterate the point that the council's barrister, Mr Bedford, has just made as well. We've got quite a lot of people around the table today. 
vary in views, um, so obviously be respectful of other, other people who might not necessarily share your view. Um, again, because we've got a lot of people at the table, if something, somebody said something and you share the same view, sometimes it's useful just to say I agree, or um, we don't need to hear the same point from maybe 20 people because we, we haven't got the time to deal with that, um, and just because 20 people say it doesn't carry any more weight than one person. Um, making that same point um, we've got um, such a large amount of people to hear and it's important that everybody is able to speak and, and the, the floor doesn't sort of get dominated by um, uh, just a few particular voices so turning to the, um, the agenda for the matter one the number of questions are the same as the matters issues and questions which makes it slightly easier um, so I think we'll be able to, the first section is about plan preparation. I think we'll probably be able to deal with that section fairly quickly and then move on to the area that I think will probably generate more discussion, which is about the sustainability appraisal. Um, and then we'll deal with habitat reg, uh, regulations, assessment, um, and then the other matters, which again, I think the other matters will probably get through much quicker. I see that the SA and the habitat regs are probably going to take up the bulk of the session. Um, this morning. If we need to go in on after lunch, we can do. We've got some sessions this afternoon, but there's a lot less people around the table for those. This probably won't take as long in terms of duty to cooperate and the presumption in favour of sustainable development. So in terms of the plan preparation, um, so is the plan compliant with the um, local development scheme, the statement of community involvement and the 2004 Act and the 2012 regulations? Um, the Council have obviously um, submitted a statement, as have many other people. Um, is there anything anybody wants to particularly say on that? What, how I tend to work is if there's nobody wants to speak on it and I've not got any particular issues, if the council I'm satisfied with what the council said, we'll just move on. There's no point sort of labouring over things for the, uh, for the sake of it. We'll deal with the, the matters that people are here most interested and we're most interested in. Is there anything in terms of... Oh, so what's, I can't see your name. Mr Cosgrove, I think oh, I've met you before at another examination, maybe I've. Okay. I hope that you say that in a good way. Um, <laughs> Yes, it is, it is uh, Tom Cosgrove, Queen's Council, on behalf of Gladman. Um, Madam, I've got, I've got um, some legal, legal submissions to make, which I can either do under one or four or five, because they relate to the updated SA. I'm just flagging it up now, because the submission does, in the end, relate to a contention that the uh, regulations, the 2012 regulations, have not been complied with, which is, of course, one of the matters often overlooked, because often there would be compliance with, with basic uh, fundamental requirements. But in this case, under Section 25, along with soundness and duty to cooperate, it's one of the matters you are seized with. So that I, I flag up, I've got, so it does come under 1C. I can either make those submissions now or, or I can wait, because they also come under 4 and 5. So. Do you want to make them now where it's a bit more of a yes. discrete? They might get lost in the I've got a team run, and that, yes, that's great. Well, I, I will do so if I may, and I'll, I'll make them as uh, concisely as I can. And we've set out the key points, of course, in our matter statement, although some of these points you'll find under questions four and five rather than under, under one. Uh, and, Madam, it is helpful to do it at the outset because it does follow on from Mr Bedford's um, helpful introduction. That the headline of my submission is that the decision to submit the local plan prior to the close of the consultation period for the updated SA is contrary to the 2012 local plan regulations and indeed 
contrary to fundamental requirements of the 2004 Act. Uh, and it's been helpfully confirmed to you today that the last time the Council, um, as Mr Bedford put emphasis on, not, not him now, but the Council considered the local plan submission was the 9th of October uh, of 2018. Uh, and, and it follows that the resolution on that day, which you're going to be provided a copy uh, of, um, was made at a time when there was, of course, chronologically no suggestion before the Council that the SA that then existed needed to be reviewed, uh, let alone the fundamental updating of it that was subsequently identified as being needed. And it was, of course, a decision that was predicated uh, on the assumption that the previous place services SA was adequate uh, and, of course, a decision taken on the basis and, and can only have been taken on the basis having taken into account representations that had at that stage been informed by a flawed SA. And, and uh, it's clear that that decision has been confirmed this morning has not ever been revisited by the Council. And that's an important uh, indication to you this morning in my submission. And, and Mr. Bedford also made it clear that the submission of the local plan in January, remember there was a, one of those race for times to meet the deadline, and that's why it was submitted quickly, but it, and I'm going to suggest rather extraordinarily, was submitted uh, to meet that deadline in advance of the consultation period for the updated SA having been completed. And of course that period ran until near the end of February, I think the 25th of February. That, that's, that's the context, and that chronology, which I don't think is in dispute, it, it needs to be put, as I say, in, in, in the legal framework that you are now seized with, which is section 20, subsection 5, uh, little a, uh, and the question you have to ask yourself, does that chronology, the plan preparation stage, which you are concerned with, and people often forget that at a local plan examination, you are looking back just to check everything was done properly, um, does, the, does that process satisfy the requirements of the regulations made under section 36 is what uh, subsection, uh, little subsection A says and of course that covers the plan making regulations in the 2012 uh, uh, planning uh, matters that I referred to and, and if there is a failure uh, do you have power under the Act to deal with that by modification or otherwise? That, that I think is the legal structure. Um, very briefly, section 20 of the 2004 Act, and I'll take this briefly as we've set out the provisions in our statement, but section 20, uh, subsection 1 and 2 are relevant, and subsection 2 of the Act provides the authority must not submit uh, the document, the plan, unless they have complied with any relevant requirements contained in the regulations and then it will be, and also that they think the document is ready for independent examination. That's the legal requirement of Section 20. So far as the regulations are concerned, Regulation 19 requires that before they can submit the plan under Section 20, the local planning authority must um, inter alia, and among other things, A, make a copy of the proposed submission documents and a statement of, of the representations procedure available in accordance with Regulation 35. And without getting too technical, I deal with this briefly, but the proposed submission documents must include the local plan which the local planning authority proposes to submit and, quote, the sustainability appraisal report of the plan. And that's Regulation 17 for your note. The key point is that the requirement to publish the SA at the same time as the local plan under Regulation 19 is plainly in order that representations made on the local plan can be informed by the SA. 
and that is of course in accordance with the objectives of the SEA directive and the SEA regulations. Uh, regulation 22 provide, prescribes that certain documents must accompany the local plan at the time of the submission and those include both the sustainability appraisal report as well as a statement setting out the number of representations that have been made in accordance with Regulation 20 and indeed a summary of the main issues raised. So, Madam, in summary, that the, the upshot is that the 2012 regulations require not only that the proposed submission documents are published pursuant to Regulation 19 before the submission of the local plan, but also that the period for making representations on the local plan informed, of course, by the documents including the SA, must have concluded before the local plan is submitted for examination. It would be obviously impossible to comply with Regulation 22 were that not the case. And, and obviously that makes sense. The reason, if I may say so, is pretty obvious. It's to allow a local planning authority to take into account any representations made on the Regulation 19 plan informed by an SA before they decide whether to submit it for examination. And of course, if having seen those representations, the local authority consider that the regulation plan is ready for submission, they can, or not ready for submission, they might consider amending the plan, republishing the plan pursuant to Regulation 19 for further representations and so forth. So it, the legal submission is, when you look at the regulations in the Act, where an SA has been fundamentally updated after the Regulation 19 consultation, the local authority either need to return to Regulation 19 uh, consultation to rerun it, or at the very least to be compliant, await the close of the updated SA consultation exercise and consider the results before they submit it to you. Um, and, and unless they do that, in, in, in my submission, the Regulation 19 process is fundamentally under, undermined, uh, and in this case, the representations were plainly uh, not informed representations you have were not informed by a legally adequate SA. I mean, that is Could somebody turn over the phone? Can you turn phones off, please? I'll put them onto silent. Sorry. So, no, thank you. The, the, the consultees in this case were plainly not presented with a legally compliant SA uh, with genuinely mutually exclusive reasonable alternatives, for example. So, uh, it, it, that, that, is the, that is the conflict with the, with the regulations and the Act. Um, it's not good enough, lest it be said, it's not good enough to say to you, well, as it happens, the updated SA in fact agree with our strategy. You all know that an environmental assessment under the SEA directive is required to be informed by representations from others in light of a legally compliant SA. It, it, nor is it an answer to say to you now, well, you, you, you of course can take account of the representations during the course of this examination when you're considering soundness. That would be also a fundamental problem. I mean, there are two points there. If that, if that were the case, well, what's the point in having any of the requirements the, 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 under the Act or the legal, the regulations to do matters properly? The key point is that, as, you, as you've noted in your introduction, what you're seized with is, is a plan presented to you by the local authority, and you've got to ask yourself whether it's sound, amongst other things. We all know there might be more than one ways of doing a sound plan, but you're, you can only deal with what's submitted to you. The purpose of the regulations and being legally compliant is to allow people to have an opportunity to persuade the council to submit a different kind of plan to you. That, that has gone because those representations have just, they've submitted before the representations were even received and considered. That opportunity has gone. 
That's the prejudice that is suffered. And it's no good, I think, saying, well, you, you inspectors, can look at, the, look at those representations now, because that, that misses entirely the point. And finally, um, can, you, can you modify it? Well, under the Act, if you are satisfied that there has been a breach, non-compliance with the regulations, Section 20 follows through, and all you, all you can do is, is a modification process. Now, and that's Section 27B and C, which you're, you're familiar with, and I don't take you through in detail. It's implicit in the Act that not every failure can be modified, can be rectified by a modification. And if you accept the failure that I've identified here, which I think is, is a legally sound point, it's hard to see how any modification can deal with it. The fundamental failure is, is not doing something prior to submitting the plan. And so the modification process is not going to be able to remedy that. The modification process is aimed at different kinds of issues in my submission. And so really what has got to happen, and it is a fundamental point to consider at the outset of this examination, is as I say, there either has to be a rerunning, a withdrawal and a rerunning of the Regulation 19 exercise um, to make the, the regulations and the, and the fundamental act um, compliant. Thank you. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you. I'll ask the council to comment in a minute. Does anybody else want to speak on that point before? Mr. Robson. Yeah. Can I just say that, um, obviously, I think I alluded to this in my opening, but there's only opportunity to speak if you made comments in your Regulation 19 statement on these points that we do, as we go through. With small examinations, I kind of have a sense of who said what. It's more difficult with 40 people around the table to keep tabs on who said what. So I'll trust you, have to trust you to, um, to just speak on points that you've already raised. Okay. Mr. Robson. Thank you. Um, we align with Mr. Thank you. Mr. Barber. Thank you, Ma'am. Again, I'll be brief. Uh, we covered this point in uh, paragraphs 2.14 to 2.17 of our statement. Entirely agree with my colleague behind Mr. Cosgrove. Um, it, it is a flawed process. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for your brevity. Is there anybody I can't see? Ms. Hutton. Well, I'm ju just say on behalf of um, Great Chesterford Parish Council, we agree. I need to deal with this um, further under question four, if that's all right, because it relates. Fine. Yes, that's fine. It's some FDA things sort regs. of end up getting a bit merged, don't yes. they? But, um, yeah. Thank you. Everybody, do you want to come back on those points? Oh, sorry, Mr. MacDonald, I didn't see you. Um, I, I hope that what I'm saying is relevant to the point that's just been raised. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a planner. Uh, I have been a resident of Uttersford for 38 years. I'm a chartered accountant, which is why I've got involved in this, because I'm concerned about numbers. 
Um, I think the point made just now was somewhat academic um, in seeking that the regulation 19 should have been looked at before it went, this went public because um, from my experience of the council's running of this uh, planning process consultation has, has just not happened consultation may have happened but in my mind consultation means feedback from people considering that feedback and possibly going back to them to explain what the council's view is on that I think the council has dramatically failed to consult in that full context it has asked questions um, it certainly in the areas that I've been involved in, it's just ignored feedback from the public. Um, I will be talking in a matter, I forget what, what it is, about the, the numbers. But my probably tomorrow, isn't it? Matter five. Tomorrow, yes. yes. Um, but as a general point, um, my involvement first started with considering the Schmar back in 2015. And I've been banging my head against the council wall for nearly four years to say there are fundamental things wrong with the Schmar. But despite me and other people saying numbers are wrong, fundamental problems with the Schmar, the council chose not to seek independent um, review of calculations in the Schmar. We will come to that tomorrow, the okay. Schmar. We'll, yes. Mine is sort of a general point at the moment that, that consultation... Uh, under the um, statement of community involvement has not been effective uh, and the Schmar is, is the particular area that I've been involved in but there are probably other areas but it's the Schmar that I, I'm interested in. Um, sadly, a lot, of, a lot of the public that have commented on things have, have got used to being ignored um, which I think is a fundamental failure of the council in supposed community involvement uh, and, and meaningful consultation. Um, I was shocked, for example, that the 14 pages I chose to submit um, criticising the Schmar and pointing out very specifics about the original Schmar were condensed into three words in the, uh, the council summary of people's representations. And that appears to be fairly typical. I think the, the failure of consultation also manifested itself in the, the final um, council meeting where uh, before this proceeded where 20 odd people spoke and none of them supported the plan and I think there was a general air of frustration that whatever people had said in the past had just been ignored. Uh, consultation was a, was a non-event. Uh, the, the council has just applied a steamroller approach to, to developing the plan along a line that they'd chosen at the beginning and, and had chose not to divert from that. So any, any discussion, any suggestion that a, um, a new sustainability appraisal should be um, reviewed is probably academic because it would have just got steamrolled through. Um, I've probably said enough for now. Thank you. That's everybody. The council want to come back on those points of so the 2012 regulations and then the, the level of consultation, etc. It would be useful just to cover that. Well, Madam, if I start by dealing with the, the legal points, and then I may bring Mr. Miles in just to talk about what the consultation uh, process is involved. Um, the, the first point is certainly Mr. Cosgrove, on behalf of Gladman, uh, uh, has uh, significantly elaborated what has to say on uh, the brief comments uh, at paragraph 1.32 uh, of uh, the uh, 
uh, statement um, and uh, it may be that you would be assisted uh, most uh, by a, um, a written response to the legal points but uh, I'll deal with the points of principle first and then I'll say if you, if you want something in terms of a formalisation of that we can do that. Um, but uh, the, um, the starting points in terms of the uh, um, issues, there is a distinction, and it's not a distinction which is uh, necessarily uh, terribly straightforward, but there is a distinction between the domestic legislative requirements and those requirements which uh, flow from the directive and then the um, Environmental Assessment of Plans and Programmes 2004. And the distinction is this, that in domestic legislation, preparation of a plan is, as has been uh, referred to, a process which ends when the plan is submitted for examination. And thereafter, there is an examination of that plan and then there is a report uh, from the examining inspectors. That sharp distinction between preparation and examination does not exist in uh, the European Directive uh, which deals with uh, environmental assessment of plans and programmes which we all call the SEA Directive as shorthand uh, nor does it exist in the 2004 regulations which implement that directive. The European requirement in the directive and then the domestic regulations relating to that concern preparation which is everything which happens up until a plan is adopted. Now for the purposes of um, SEA, it is not an issue that all of the SEA has to be undertaken before the plan is submitted for examination. SEA is a continuing process which can continue during the course of an examination which is why unsurprisingly if there are main modifications being uh, suggested they themselves are then subject to strategic environmental assessment and there is uh, no uh, legal difficulty in uh, the consultation on an updated SEA occurring after the plan has been submitted for examination. Now turning to sustainability appraisal, sustainability appraisal is a different concept but it can overlap with SEA and the government's good practice uh, guidance in the PPG is that it should overlap with SEA so that uh, you should be able to discharge your SEA requirements through doing your SA. 
Now, the SA is uh, required to accompany the submission of the plan. That was done in this case. Insofar as the consultation period on the SA was still open at that point of time, necessarily that meant at that point of time one couldn't report on the representations that were then made. But those representations have been reported to you so that you can take them into account. It was said by Mr Cosgrove, well, the problem with that is that uh, the council hasn't had the ability to consider those consultation responses. But that, with, with respect to uh, Mr Cosgrove, misunderstands what a Regulation 19 stage involves. Regulation 19 of the 2012 regulations is not a consultation stage. Regulation 19 is the opportunity for representations to be made about the plan that the local planning authority proposes to submit for examination. But those representations are not required by the 2012 regulations or the 2004 Act to be considered by the local planning authority with a view to consultation so as to lead to changes to the plan. What they are required to be done is to be passed to the examining inspectors so that the examining inspectors can consider them to assist them in their task of considering the soundness of the plan and so on and so forth. And that is why there is a distinction between what Regulation 18 requires and what Regulation 19 requires. In relation to Regulation 18, which is a consultation stage, when the Council then gets to the submission documents, it has to submit to you a document which not only summarises the representations that were made at the Regulation 18 stage, but also how they were then taken into account by the planning authority, which is why you get, as it were, um, not only a summary, but also the Council's response to those comments. You don't get that at Regulation 19. At Regulation 19, you merely get a summary of the issues that were raised, and that's to assist, obviously, the examining inspectors in their consideration of the issues in the course of the examination. So, Madam, my, my essential submission uh, is that in terms of the substance of what Regulation 19 requires, that has been complied with. You have an SA report that was submitted with uh, the plan. 
clearly you couldn't have all the representations made on that at that stage, but they go to you. There is certainly no prejudice for two reasons. One, because the regulations don't require the council as plan-making authority to consider the Regulation 19 representations. And secondly, the person who is required to consider the Regulation 19 representations is you, and clearly you are entirely able to consider all the representations which have been made, not only the Regulation 19 representations, but all the representations made on the um, updated SA report, and you can take that into account in your uh, uh, consideration. There's then just a small point on the uh, statement of community involvement, and that was revised by the Council in um, November 2018 to reflect uh, the uh, position. And paragraphs 5.7 and 5.8... deal with SEA uh, and strategic environmental assessment uh, sustainability appraisal is a process that will um, look to make sure that social, economic and environmental considerations are fully taken into account at every stage of preparation for each development plan document and supplementary planning document. When a local plan is published to allow representations to be submitted, that's obviously Regulation 19, the SEA will be published for comments at the same time. That was um, where SEA, SEA is produced outside of an update of the local plan, the SEA, SA will be published for comments to be submitted, and then it goes on, unless the SEA, SA points towards conclusions which suggest the local plan is not pursuing the most appropriate strategy to deliver its objectives, the local plan would not be republished for another period of representations to be submitted. So, obviously, you've got uh, the, um, uh, the final uh, updated SA. It reaches conclusions which suggest that the strategy doesn't need to be amended, and so that falls then within what paragraph 524, uh, sorry, 5.8 of the um, uh, SCI is uh, envisaging. So, Madam, we, we don't accept uh, that there is a reason uh, in terms of the uh, remarks made uh, in those representations as to why um, the uh, examination cannot now continue to consider the plan. Then if I just turn to um, Mr. Uh, Stephen Miles, who sits to my immediate right uh, in terms of the, uh, from the, the Council Policy Manager, just the point about consultation. Uh, I don't, don't want to get too sucked down into it, but just briefly... Obviously, Mr. Donald raised some concerns, and just a brief response, perhaps, from Mr. Miles. Thank you. Um, so, uh, Mr. Donald is right. He has raised um, concerns about the, the SHMAR and the, the housing numbers within the SHMAR numerous points of time through the preparation of the local plan. The Council has not uh, ignored Mr. McDonald's points. There is a, a fundamental difference of opinion um, over what the uh, appropriate objectively assessed need and housing requirement for the local plan is between the Council and Mr. McDonald, and that can be dealt with through the Matter 5 hearing sessions tomorrow. 
also just to assist with um, your finding documentation, the statement of community involvement is uh, reference number 204.1 LEG and our um, Regulation 22 consultation statement is 400.1 SOC. Thank you. Anybody, Mr. Cosgrove, I thought you might want to. Uh, Just very briefly, Madam, I don't want to keep toing and froing. Um, and I'm grateful to Mr. Bedford to, for indicating there may be an answer in writing to the, the breach of the regulations point, which is the point I was addressing to you um, in due course. We look, we look forward to receiving that. Um, so I'm not sure that point has been, with great respect, addressed as yet, as opposed to um, some interesting thoughts about the directive. Um, and, and just the other point, just the chronology about the submission, well then, after the Regulation 19 stage, um, the, the Council wouldn't be making changes. That, of course, is exactly what they did with the addendum of focus changes that you have dated October 2018. And so I, I don't accept the point that a Council faced with representations on an SA, properly done, wouldn't have the ability or indeed a legal uh, indication that they should be considering changing before submission. That, that is the point of the regulations to get that sorted at that stage. Thank you. Are there any other points? Okay, I haven't got any questions. Have you got any? No, no. Okay. Are there any other, just to be clear, any other points anybody wants to raise under plan preparation? So those first three bullet points. I think we've kind of dealt with them in the rounds as we've. Yeah, okay. So we'll turn now to um, sustainability appraisal. It's coming up to 20 past 11. I'm just wondering if it's better to have a, a short break now rather than spend 10 minutes dealing with that and then I'll break off and it'll give everybody a chance to sort of organise their papers and things. Um, I think because of the number of people here, we probably need probably a 20-minute break. Normally, sort of 10 minutes suffices, but there's a lot of people to get in and out and back at the seats. So if we aim for a 22-12, obviously, if you're in a queue somewhere, then don't worry, we'll, we'll wait until everybody gets back to... Um, to begin, but obviously people can be as, as quickly as, as as quick as possible. So if we break until um, 20 to 12, okay.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Normally at main modification stage, or if other work's necessary, then that might be part of that. Um, and also, I think it's important this morning to cover the statutory consultee concerns, so Natural England, and I know there is probably further work, it's an, a sort of an iterative process with Natural England, further work's taking place probably even since I read um, their representations. We've now got a statement of common ground, which will, is, reflects as well the um, habitat regs thing that we'll talk about. Um, next and they are at the table I think today, so, yeah, a lady at the table um, and Historic England have obviously made um, representation and expressed some concerns, they're not around the table so I'll obviously draw, try and draw in those um, concerns as well and some of those, some things overlap as well with what we'll be talking about in the sessions a week after next there's some overlap I think with, um, with things that they've raised so I think that's probably the best way to start is for the council can sort of say what they want to say and introduce it almost and then we'll ask people to speak and it might mean that people then don't necessarily need to say something that might have already been covered by the council. Okay. Madam, if I, if I start, and I, just very briefly, and then I will introduce what you've already heard from um, Mr Miles uh, and then also on the um, uh, SA issues... Uh, next to Mr. Miles uh, is Mr. P.T. Uh, Alistair P.T. P.E.A.T.T.I.E. from AECOM, who undertook that work. Uh, and I'll just identify him, but he's not dealing with this issue. Next to him is Mr. James Riley from AECOM. He did the habitat regulations work. So when right. we go on to that, it will be Mr. Riley. But for the purposes of SA, it's Mr. P.T. Um, Madam, I'm not going to say very much because we've set it out very clearly in the. Um, uh, matters statement and gone through the, the narrative but I do want to in the light of some of the issues raised in some of the representations um, make it uh, clear that there is a, a distinction to be drawn between legal compliance in other words has there been uh, a uh, uh, SEA which meets the uh, regulatory requirements and then as it were, the, the content of the SA, SEA, which strongly overlaps with soundness issues. And uh, without since being too oversimplistic, it seems to us, having uh, read the various representations, that what people are actually raising as points of concern are points which they think go to the soundness of the choices made they don't actually go to the legal compliance issue 
Uh, and in certainly one of the cases, uh, which is one of the, the court cases that considered uh, the matter, a case called Seaport Investments, the, uh, the judge uh, there used an expression which I think quite helpfully captures uh, the difference between legal compliance and then substance, where he said, well, what the, the directive and the regulations are concerned with is to ensure that matters which are mandatory requirements of an SA process are considered. What it's not concerned with is, he used the expression, the quality of the address. In other words, how good it is, is, is a soundness issue. It's not a legal compliance issue. Uh, and I say, no doubt there are people who have strong views about the, the choices made and so on, but with respect, they really relate to later matters of soundness. They don't relate to legal compliance. Yes, and one of the big things I drew from what I read was it's about reasonable alternatives, mm. those sorts of mm. things, the, the mm. decisions that the council yeah. have made through that yeah. process. Yeah, well, yeah. absolutely. I mean, there is clearly no doubt that the council has considered a range of alternatives Views may differ on the reasonableness of those, and views may differ on the reasons the council gives for discounting those. But those are planning judgment matters. They don't go to legal compliance. So, so, so Madam, with that, that, as it were, just general introduction, I'll then just turn to Mr. Miles in case he wants to add anything, and then bring in Mr. Peaty to just give you a very, very brief overview of what was done. Thank you. That's helpful. Mr. Miles. Uh, thank you. So I'd just like to give a... Very brief reminder for yourself and everyone in the room over the uh, process of... Can I just check, can everybody hear? No, no. I, don't, not, I don't think you're as loud as... <laughs> Mr Bedford's obviously used to speaking and shouting. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. I'd like to just remind yourself and the room uh, about the uh, process that the Council has been through in uh, getting to the updated sustainability appraisals published in January of this year, uh, published representations in January of this year, um, as, as you mentioned uh, earlier, that this came about as a result of a, letter, a series of letters from the North Essex Authority's inspector, um, which as a result of that, the Council commissioned a review of the sustainability appraisal, and that is document reference 104.22 SAP. Um, that was finalised in November of 2018 um, and led to the council decision to uh, update the sustainability appraisal. Um, yeah, so just, uh, uh, just a chronology of the, the sequence. Yes, that's useful, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Mars. Mr. Peaty? Yeah, thank you. Um, just, just very briefly, briefly just touch on some of the work that was done because obviously the Council's response to Matter 1 and the essay-related questions kind of points you in the direction of where the information is, so it's more um, just, just very briefly in particular in terms of alternatives. Um, we, just very quickly, we undertook a fresh GIS analysis of all the site options that were, submit, uh, that were submitted to the call for sites process. Um, the findings of that, and just to reiterate, obviously we're, we're referring to the submitted SA report references 104.20 and the non-technical summary, that's which is 104. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Um, we undertook a fresh GIS analysis of the site options, um, and then, you know, based on on the the, uh, the, the that Northeast uh, Essex inspector's preliminary. Um, 
letter, you know, we, we set out then from that point to kind of more clearly set out the, the option, the garden, new garden community options, so let's be more clear about where the realistic options were, were located that have that come out of plan making to that date, um, what they could deliver during and beyond the plan period, and then undertaking a fresh, you know, independent comparative assessment of those, of those options. Um, following on from that, we looked back at each settlement, each of the key settlements, and you'll see that in Chapter 8 of the SA report, um, looking at each settlement and considering where there was potential for additional growth based on, um, based on the evidence base, essentially including the Schla work, um, Greenbelt Review, uh, and further evidence-based documents. Um, and then taking that information, so the, the level of need, the garden community options, opportunities for growth at settlements, and brought that together and established those uh, district-wide spatial strategy alternatives that, that are set out um, within Chapter 8. So we undertook a, essentially undertook a fresh appraisal of site options, a fresh appraisal of garden community options, uh, a fresh appraisal of settlement growth options where necessary, and that was there was one identified at Takeley. Um, and then a fresh appraisal of those district-wide spatial strategy options. And the, the Council's reasons, outline reasons for selecting the preferred approach are set out in, uh, in chapter, chapter, let me give you the right chapter, in chapter 8 on page 112. And those have been kind of expanded on in response in the Council's Matter 1, Question 3 response. Uh, provides a bit more clarity on that. Then chapter, a fresh appraisal was then done of the local plan itself, so that was the pre-submission plan and focus changes, and the findings of that work were set out in chapter 10. Um, so I won't, I mean, that's just a very brief view, and I'm sure we'll go into more detail, but essentially, you know, we, we consider that the, that the submitted essay report meets regulatory requirements. Thank you. Okay. Yes, no doubt we'll come back to you okay. as um, points get raised and, and questions um, are raised. So in terms of the, um, the agenda, we'll go through the, um, the points on the agenda in turn, and uh, sometimes with these sorts of things you find that, well, it might not be so much on this, but sometimes by the time you get to the last question, all the points have been covered in earlier questions anyway, so we're kind of um, quite flexible about that really. Um, so question two on the agenda is, um, are the likely environmental, social and economic effects of the plan adequately and accurately assessed in the updated sustainability appraisal? Um, is there anybody who wants to speak on that? I know people seem more interested in the essay, reasonable alternatives, but um, Mr. Worrell. Yeah, David Worrell, uh, Hatfield Heath. Um, I do not, the answer to that question, I do not believe so. This question must also be discussed together with the next two questions. The plan proposed prevents Hatfield Heath being able to grow to sustain itself, sustain itself. Regulation 19 of the local plan, paragraph 3.36, Hatfield Heath is designated a key village along with Elsenham, Great Chesterford, Newport, Stoughton Mankfitchet, Takeley and Thaxted. Regulation 19 of the local plan uh, paragraph 3.67, there are 344 houses allocated to those key villages in the planned period, but there are none for Hatfield Heath. Zero allocated, therefore do not meet the demands of the district. 
Hereford Heath is prevented from being able to grow sustainably, sustainably and therefore will, in all probability, as been witnessed in many rural areas, eventually decline as a vital and vibrant community. This runs counter to the objective six of the plan's spatial vision. The reason that Hatfield Heath is denying growth is due to it being surrounded by the Greenbelt land. I submitted a concern about the Greenbelt review carried out on behalf of the Council. I requested that the sustainability appraisal be sent back for further work in respect of the Greenbelt, a policy that restricts growth when the national agenda is for growth and the NPPF promotes sustainable growth. I am concerned that the review was not thorough enough. It failed to look at where the boundary lines could be adjusted without harming the purpose of having the Greenbelt. There are parcels of land with no Greenbelt value that could be and should be adjusted. It is acknowledged that the Greenbelt in the south of the district plays less a strategic role than the Greenbelt to the west. Furthermore, at no point did the review consider that it may be appropriate to investigate whether there is a need for Greenbelt designation to the east and the northeast of the district where Chelmford and Braintree respectively are growing vigorously. So therefore, the sustainability appraisal has not been adequately or accurately assessed. Thank you, Mr Worrell. Will the council want to come back? I think that's probably an individual point. When we get some that are all quite similar, we'll come back in groups, but I think that's probably quite an individual um, point that Mr Worrell's making. Thank you. Um, so we're recognising that there's a, these matters always kind of cross over each other. We're starting there is, to and Greenbelt we're not really dealing with at this yeah. stage. One, we'll get on to that later, but there yeah. are, yeah, they do sort of all kind of merge, don't they? Yeah. Um, so the... The SA, in looking at the sites around Hatfield Heath and the, and the growth options there, has taken into account the evidence base um, that supports the local plan. So that is, in this instance, the review that the Greenbelt, the review of the Greenbelt that the Council has undertaken, published in 2016. Um, document references 702.1 ENV and 702.2. Um, that that. The evidence base in that document um, did not recommend any changes to or did not recommend any changes to the Greenbelt boundary around Hatfield Heath, um, and that has been carried forward into the sustainability appraisal and the appraisal of options there. And, and just to point you in the right direction, that's um, page uh, 80, 80, 84, 85 in the submitted SA report with the deals you, with Hatfield really Heath. Helpful. Yeah. Sometimes it's like finding a needle yeah. in a haystack yeah. in these big um, reports, isn't it? Thank you. Do you want to make any mark? Or you feel happy that you've said what you wanted to say? Um, it's just that you, you, you've done this survey and this review, but you haven't taken into account where the parcels of land do not have any benefit being greenbelt and therefore you should take another look at those parcels of land and release them for build. So yeah, we'll come on to Greenbelt in the stage two or three here, depending on how the, how it, the process happens. But, but yeah, we will come back to Greenbelt as well at another point. Okay. Uh, sorry, and just to, to add that um, we, we were focusing on the, on the Schlar sites at, uh, at each settlement, and in figure nine on page 85, you can see that all the, the sites submitted to the call for sites process are all, are all located in the green belt uh, around Hatfield Heath. 
Thank you. There's quite a few people. I don't know who put the book first, so we'll just sort of work. Should we work around this way and then round onto the next table, for our fairness? Mr Cronk. Paul Cronk, uh, JB Planning for Stepping Parish Council. Um, I just want to make a few points. I think it's important to take account of the key findings of the ACOM independent review of the uh, SA that was published in November 2018. Some of the key conclusions highlighted were the lack of alternative development strategies to take account of the objectives to the local plan, non-compliance issues with Regulation 12.2 of the SEA regulations, which requires the SA report includes an outline of the contents and main objectives of the plan, a clear failure to justify the selection of reasonable alternatives, and a failure to produce an adequate non-technical summary. It failed to provide key information relating to the development and appraisal of reasonable alternatives. Um, in terms of the updated essay, essay um, we're concerned that it didn't inform the plan. It's, uh, it's quite clear that Essex Plate Services essay is the essay that actually un underpins the plan. We believe there's still environmental, social and economic effects that are harmful. We've highlighted heritage and think it's particularly important that the, the concerns of historic England are, are clearly evident in their representations. And finally, uh, just in relation to the updated essay, uh, we, we believe it cannot assess the impact of the Western Braintree Garden community, given that it's not yet apparent whether it will be finally confirmed as an allocation in the North Essex Joint Spatial Plan, given that the majority of the allocation was, is located within Broughtry District and the other sort of element can't come forward on its own. So there's obviously uncertainties regarding the precise form it will take and associated transport infrastructure that will be necessary. Thank you. Thank you. What I'll do, rather than keep coming back and forth, is just make a note of any points that you want to come back on, and it may be that then lots of people make the same points anyway. So, Mr. Robson. Yeah, I think I understand. Are you happy that you understand the, the points being made without going into the to the great detail? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Robson. Is there any? No, Miss. Mr. Powney, are you next? I can't. See. Yeah. Thank you, Madam. Um, I'm here to uh, represent the 
other side of the equation, which is employment land provision. Um, we're representing the Takeley site, which is proposed over 27 hectares of strategic industrial and distribution land directly adjacent to Stansted Airport and the M11. Um, we feel that the, the SA is not balanced in terms of weighing up economic performance and deliverability of employment sites against environmental and social considerations. Um, the Council's evidence base uh, talks about this important corridor uh, as being strategically uh, important for Uttlesford, but it's actually also of regional importance. And we feel that our site in particular, like many other sites, whether they're housing or employment, have been discounted on the basis of being in the CPZ without a balanced approach at looking at what they um, can deliver in terms of new jobs and whether they're actually deliverable and what are the economic benefits uh, of bringing these sites forward. Um, so with our site in particular, it's not sitting there in isolation. It would be an extension of already a significant economic area, which is the um, Vision Stansted, the Stansted Distribution Centre, uh, and the uh, Trem Hall Park Business Centre. So our concerns are really is there's been no um, market and deliverability context to the SA. Um, as you'll see in our submission, we've done a lot of detailed work on the viability of this site being very strong in viability terms. Um, and this is against the backdrop of the Council's viability study, which says B-class development is difficult to bring forward viably in the borough. Here we have a site which is highly viable and will meet strategic and regional need for industrial and distribution floor space. So we feel um, the regard to the employment sites uh, is, is very, very high level. I obviously don't want to bleed in, lead in too much into the uh, reasonable alternatives, but if I may briefly touch on, uh, they're very, very limited in the essay to the Chesterford Research Park, which, yes, we agree is a great site and should be looked to be increased for R&D, but that has very little to do with industrial and distribution. Um, Gaunt's End was looked at. The major investment that has been coming forward there is for grade A large-scale offices, which leaves the only site that has been coming forward as the plan for strategic and larger-scale industrial and distribution use is the Stansted North site, <clears throat> a site that really hasn't been looked at in terms of its deliverability, in terms of being able to uh, deliver the distribution and warehouse needs. I'm not here to say that that is a bad site, but to just the SA and the evidence to stop at the point that if you remove, remove the airport-related restrictions, it will therefore come forward for development and be highly successful. <clears throat> that is too high level because there is sites such as fuel farms, there'll be access issues, there'll be decontamination, there'll be sites for demolition and maintaining existing businesses on site, which all are actual site-specific deliverability issues that we feel have not been taken forward in the SA and need to be. And we feel that those issues mean that it should not be the sole answer to delivering future industrial and distribution needs in the borough. Um, so we feel that other sites need to be considered and our site, <coughs> as identified in the evidence and market assessments by the Council's advisers, we are in the prime strategic location 
um, in, in Uttlesford. Um, I don't want to, to go on and, uh, and, and say too much more, but you'll also see in our reps that Stansted, we've done a lot of bench, benchmarking of these economic drivers for industrial and warehouse, whether it's Gatwick, whether it's Manchester, whether it's Luton, whether it's Stansted, are absolutely core economic drivers for these uses, and that in conjunction with being next to an M11, a motorway make them regionally significant and as you will see in our evidence base Stansted's provision of industrial and warehouse floor space per million of uh, airport passengers is a fraction of Luton, is a fraction of Manchester, is a fraction of okay. Gatwick. We need to be yeah. careful we're not dealing with emissions sites no. so um, yeah. if we can try and stick to yeah. the SA issues so rather than promoting uh, sites. Yeah so I just think is, is, is our point is, is um, if to, just to wrap it up, is those ideas of viability and deliverability and market demand. I mean, there, there has to be a role through the local plan and the SA to designate sites in the right locations where industrial warehouse development will come forward viably. And at the moment, that one site, Stansted North, is not being evidenced that it can deliver. It will, you know, I'm confident, will deliver throughout the plan period. But the key thing is here is that availability in Luton for industrial and distribution use is 0.6%. That is below a critical supply constraint. That is bad as you will get anywhere in the country. So to then pin the hope solely on Stansted North, where its deliverability is not yet confirmed, and it will probably do a range of other uses, B-class, supporting A-class and leisure. It won't just be for industrial and distribution, so therefore we feel an isolation is not appropriate um, to be the only site that uh, can come forward for industrial and distribution. Thank you. Who's next? Ms. Hodgson? Thank you, Mum. Ms. Uh, Victoria Hutton of Council on behalf of Great Chesterford Parish Council. Um, Mum, the legal requirement comes from um, Regulation 12 of the SEA regulations, specifically subsection 2, which is the report shall identify, describe and evaluate the likely significant effects on the environment of A, implementing the plan or programme, and B, the reasonable alternatives. So I'll address you on A uh, in, in this section. Um, the first point is, um, is partially a question for the Council. Now, this is a plan which purports to allocate development for uh, 1,400 homes. But in fact, it's doing much more than that. Because, of course, in setting down the principle of the garden communities, it's seeking to uh, approve, in principle, an additional 20,000 homes beyond the 14,000. Clearly, um, that, is, that comes as part and parcel of the plan. So when one looks at the uh, Regulation 12.2 test, what are the likely significant effects on the environment of implementing the plan or programme? It's not just the 14,000 houses, it's the additional 20,000 that are coming forward beyond uh, 2023. Now, um, it's parts 10, uh, 9 and 10 of the updated SA which purports to deal with the impacts of the plan. And it's, it's not clear, but it strikes us that what's been done is to look at the effects of the plan up to 2023 and not, in fact, the additional housing, which is, of course, double uh, that expected to come forward uh, uh, by that date. And the reason I say it, it seems to us 
that it appears that's what's been done is because if one then goes to look at Appendix 5, where reasonable alternatives are dealt with, it's very clear there from page 430 that when assessing the plan against the reasonable alternatives, it's taken uh, the figure, just remind myself, it's taken the figure of, of just under five, uh, 1,500 houses as against the reasonable alternatives. And the conclusions reached as against the reasonable alternatives are not materially different from the conclusions reached uh, in Chapter 10 of the SA. So that's why it appears to us that, in fact, the impacts assessed are impacts relating only to the, to the development up to 2033, the plan period. So in that respect, uh, the requirements of the Regulation 12.2 uh, have not been met. In terms of the detail uh, within, uh, within Chapter 10, Part 4 of our Regulation 19 response uh, sets those out in detail, and I don't intend to take you through them all now, but if I could just highlight um, a few points. Uh, first, with regards to landscape, uh, and it's our submission that the uh, effects have been underreported. And, for example, if one goes to 10.33, uh, of the updated SA, it said that there is ultimately a significant negative effect on landscape as a result of the garden communities, but then the SA seeks to reduce that negative effect by stating that it will devoid, that having the garden communities will avoid development elsewhere which may have negative effects on the historic townscape. So it's paragraph 10.33. So it's clear it's inappropriate to discount a negative effect by, um, by surmising, uh, predicting effects that any other option might have. Of course, that's the job when you're, that's, that's the purpose of reasonable alternatives. The purpose here is to look at the impacts uh, of the plan. In terms of cumulative effects, there's no mention uh, under landscape of significant development which may well come forward in South Cambridgeshire, including the welcome genome. Uh, campus development and also the Agri Centre at Hinkston. Um, there is intervisibility between those sites and I'm sure we'll deal with that under matters 6 and 7, so I won't go into that any further. Turning to heritage assets, uh, dealt with at paragraphs 10.46 to 10.62 of the SA, um, we say again that the impact has been uh, underreported and underweighed the objection of Historic England is noted uh, in the SA, but of course by law the local authority is required to give significant weight uh, to the objection uh, or to the views of a statutory consultee unless there's good reason uh, not to. No reason has been given here to reduce the weight uh, to be given to Historic England's views. Further, uh, there's no indication here of appropriate weight being given to heritage harm, um, which is, we say, required by MPPF policy. Um, paragraph 193 of the MPPF, when considering the impact of proposed development on the significance of a designated heritage asset, great weight should be given to the asset's conservation. And, and then we also have, of course, the statutory requirements in the Ancient Monuments and Archaeological Areas Act of 1979, and the Planning Listed Buildings and Conservation Areas Act uh, 1990. 
So no indication that heritage assets have been treated in any way, as any way special as required under uh, national policy. So the conclusion under heritage assets in the SA is a residual minor effect. That's uh, paragraph 10.61. We say that's been drastically underestimated. It should be extremely negative. Uh, it's failed to weigh historic England's objection um, and, and indeed the importance of the assets. And then um, finally, I won't repeat it, I would just echo uh, the points made by Mr. Robson that a number of the judgments uh, in relation to exactly the numbers he gave you, 6, 7, 9, 11, 12 and 13 of uh, BSA are reliant upon assumptions made about certain infrastructure and, um, if, uh, and that's going to be explored later in this hearing. We say um, that certain infrastructure hasn't been shown to be uh, deliverable or achievable and in those circumstances that will necessarily undermine the conclusions reached in the SA and just in particular the, the issues we will be raising, some of them are the issues of capacity at railway stations including Great Chesterford, Audley End and Whittlesford Parkway. No solution has been proposed to that. Uh, cumulative effect of the uh, potential developments in South Cambridgeshire which I've already mentioned, the Welcome Genome Campus and the Agritech plans. Uh, the A505 which is already said to be uh, operate, operating over capacity. No solution is proposed to that. And then uh, the other individual matters of infrastructure which we've put in representations on and no doubt will explore in matters six and seven. Um, thank you. Thank you. Ms. Parsons. Thank you. Um, Nikki Parsons, Pegasus Group, on behalf of Bloor Homes and Martin Grant Homes. Uh, you'll have seen from our matter statements that our concerns relate to Stansted Mount Fitchett, where my clients have a large site that they've put forward through the call for sites process, and that site has been rejected by the council. I appreciate we're not here to talk about individual sites, but it does go to the issue of considering the extent to which the SA has accurately considered the effects arising from the strategies that have been put forward. Um, and if you uh, look at paragraph 8.108 of the updated uh, essay, you'll see the reason for rejecting my client's site, which is identified as 15, STA 15. Um, the concern that we raise through our representation is that the, and going back to the question that we're particularly answering here at this moment in time, is that the environmental constraints have been applied to some of those sites without adequate evidence and therefore we do not feel that that part of the SA has been conducted properly. As a result of that, that's had a significant implication on the reasonable alternatives, and I appreciate we're going to come on to talk to that later on, but it has had a significant implication on the reasonable alternatives that have been considered as part of that process. Thank you. Mr Barber. Thank you, Ma'am, and again, I'll keep it brief. It's in uh, paragraphs 3.3 and 3.4 uh, and 3.5 of our matter statement, but it, it, it comes again to the heart of the SA process, reasonable alternatives will come on to discuss, but uh, by simply starting with a constraints-based approach, it has ruled out other options for achieving sustainable development. And in doing so, uh, other sites, other solutions have been prejudiced. Thank you. 
Thank you. Do you want to just put your um, name down? Uh, Mr Bampton, I think, next. Hi, I'm Sam Bampton from Pelham Structures. I sit here as a wearer of many hats. We are a local employer, a local developer, a local builder and a local manufacturer. My, I myself grew up in Nottlesford and have lived there most of my life. Um, I am very concerned about this sustainability appraisal as I do not consider that it has accurately considered the effects that this will have on the environment, the social and economic effects. Personally, I feel it is a contrived document that seeks to justify preconceived ideas. Um, this evident, uh, I would think this is evidenced by the way in which when it is considered individual sites that is rejected and the harms and benefits is attributed to them and the harms and benefits it's attributed to the garden communities. The benefits that it's largely attributed to the garden communities are ones that you would attribute to any new houses, you know, supporting the economy, uh, providing infrastructure, any, any of these could be applied to any sites, um, and therefore I think they should be given little weight in this consideration. Um, what they have completely missed, though, is the harm that these garden communities will cause to neighbouring settlements and the existing services that are provided there. Um, I particularly like to draw attention, and I appreciate it's actually one of the Council's responses to a different question, but I think it speaks to the heart of the problem. If we turn to paragraph, I think it's 3.12c, which is when they're going through... Is this in the council statement? In the council's uh, examination statement. They say, this is a reason for rejecting Great Dumble. I choose it as I think it's a good example, not because I have any particular interest in it. Um, it states, a total of 2,407 dwellings have either been built out or are committed during the plan period. Given the level of committed development, allocation, uh, allocating additional growth would not necessarily result in the delivery of more dwellings during the plan period, as given the scale of committed development, the market can only absorb so much housing. Furthermore, any additional growth is likely to have a significant negative effect on the landscape and historic environment, as shown by recent appeal decisions. Now, I would argue that Eastern Park and Braintree West both sit in the same housing market area as Great Dunmo. They both say, serve the same areas, the same commuter hubs, and, and so on. So any issues that are considered with the deliverability of houses in Great Dunmo are probably tenfold with Eastern Park and Braintree West, uh, mainly because they won't have the existing community and services that would attract people to those areas. Great Dunmo is a very attractive market town where people want to live. It takes quite a long time for garden communities to get established. Um, I'll probably try and save some of this detail for other matters, but I always think of... Uh, Camborne is a prime example of how hard it is to get garden communities going. You know, it, it, it is now a thriving community, but it's taken 20 years. And when it initially was created, it only had a supermarket, a fish and chip shop, and a pub. Now, I don't think that anyone would argue that those facilities would compete with something like Saffron Walden, a great Dunmo, where you, know, you have thriving businesses, organisations that attract people to the area. Um, and then going further on, the issues with landscape, which they refer to, which they, is why they've refused most of the other options, uh, these are true of garden communities, surely. You know, if you, you're building on greenfield land in volumes of five, ten thousand houses, um, which again is worth noting would make all of these settlements bigger than Dunmo and two of them bigger than Saffron Walden in the long term, which is going to have serious economic consequences for the other 
or what are the two key settlements in the district. Um, and for those reasons, I, I consider that they haven't, haven't accurately considered the impact on social, economic and environment. I thank you for your time. Thank you. I can't see the back row. Oh, Mr Cosgrove. Thank you. Um, Madam, can I just be brief and, and following on really from what Ms Hutton said, just in terms of the, the issue um, identified at your question too, I do agree with, of course, Mr Bedford when he makes the point about uh, judgments. It's often a position taken by local authorities at these kind of examinations that when you're looking at an essay, these are matters of uh, reasonable uh, judgment. Uh, and it is absolutely right, of course, that the decisions on the inclusion or non-inclusion in this kind of exercise or the nature or level of detail of information or the nature extent of the analysis carried out are all matters of judgment for the plan-making authority, and I think that, that is a given. But, but the important distinction, if I may say, from a legal point of view, is that when you're looking at the quality of assessment, it is critical that the likely significant effects and the alternatives are evaluated, described, and identified in a similar way, and that in doing so there is accurate and clear information to enable a lawful comparative assessment. That, that in my respectful submission, is the test that we're really concerned with at this assessment uh, point. Um, and our submissions, and I think um, Ms Hutton's submissions on this point were, were within that te test as well, are that that has not been done. Uh, you'll be thrilled to know I'm not going to go through all the, or indeed any of the particular detail points, because they are set out in our matter statement. We've covered uh, environmental, social and economic issues and given you the relevant references to the documents. But they're put on that basis that the assessment has uh, not been done in a law lawful comparative way because in many instances the information relied upon is just simply not reliable or, in or incorrect, quite frankly. Uh, and those matters will, of course, be looked at in detail in some of the later matters, particularly in relation to the garden communities you flagged up. And we'll, we can deal with them and traverse them then. But I just wanted at this stage to flag up their relevance for the SA process as well. Thank you. Thank you. I can't see. Is there anybody else? Want? You might have to stick your hand up if you wanted to speak. Is there anybody else? No. Mr. MacDonald and then Mr. Thompson. Ms. Doyle, sorry, I didn't listen. And then we'll come to the council too. So start with Mr. MacDonald. Thank you. Just a, a small point of clarification. I, I failed to find in the SA... Um, the answer to this question, in paragraph 5.41, uh, it doesn't appear to be clear what level of employment is anticipated or planned for North Stansted employment area um, or how this has been allowed for within traffic forecasts. And those traffic forecasts are likely to, likely to be significant through, for example, Stansted Mount Fidget, Elsenham and, and the M11 Junction 8. Um, I think that is a particularly relevant question because uh, the... Jacobs Ringway for Essex County Council uh, reported in September 2018 in respect to the Stansted Airport's planning application that um, taking consideration of local, emerging local plans and the airport's application that the combined effect on um, the road network brought it pretty close to capacity. So I, I think we, we need clarification as to what is assumed on North Stansted employment area, please. Thank you. And the council will be able to address that, hopefully, when uh, we come back to Ms. Doyle. Carrie Doyle from um, Bidwells. We're promoting a, a small site in Hatfield Broadoak, which is a type A settlement, could deliver 24 houses. Um, 
And I, I appreciate we're not discussing emission sites, but I just wanted to, to repeat some of the points that others have said about emission sites and expand upon them. Um, I think that there are some deficiencies in the essay which could be cured, and from listening to others um, today, the, the deficiencies I've identified may be more widespread. Um, so the reasons given for rejecting the site in question um, are incorrect and inadequate, and I think it goes beyond professional judgment to an incorrect understanding um, and in of the, the constraints and how they relate to the type of development proposed, mm -hmm. and also inconsistent conclusions and reasons for rejecting. As others have said, accurate and clear information is the test, and I don't think that's been passed in this case. Um, I'm not going to go through the examples which are set out in our representation, but I just wanted to, to draw out one point which um, I think is relevant in a wider sense. Um, there's the reasons given for rejecting our site or discussion about being close to protected sites, and um, that term close isn't being defined, but tracing it back, I think it comes from the Schlaw, but it's not entirely clear, so there's a bit of a paper chase there about where these distinctions are coming from. Um, and um, the, the, the 2018 methodology for the Schlaw um, talks about a one kilometer separation distance to various designated sites. It's used for different constraints, and if one kilometer is close, in these small settlements um, with the rich heritage that we're talking about in Uddlesford, that would rule out quite a lot of development in small settlements, as others have pointed out. So I think that a bit of work looking at, at the methodologies and details around the emission sites um, would be quite valuable in this case. Um, two more points then. Um, our, the site in question was submitted relatively late in 2017 when the Schlaw was updated, um, and given the inadequate reasons for rejecting Rejecting the site, it's not clear that sufficient consideration was given to this site, given that time scale. During these updates, it's not clear how they, they fed back into the preferred ones. Um, and just finally, a final point then. Um, while these are questions about the assessment of the site within the context of the essay, don't have concerns about the legality of the process, as others have clearly said, um, essays can be cured, and it's an ongoing process. Thanks. Thank you. Mr. Thompson. Uh, Vincent Thompson, Stop Eastern Park Resident Action Group, originally set up in Little Eastern, but now widely supported from all the neighbouring villages, Great Dunmow, Thaxted, Broxted, Takeley, etc., that would be impacted by Eastern Park. Um, you address the question as to whether or not uh, the sustainability appraisal adequately and accurately assesses environmental, social and economic effects. I'm only in a position to address that from the point of view of Eastern Park, uh, but it seems to me that on the environmental fact, objective one and sustainability appraisal to conserve and enhance, bio, di, and enhance biodiversity, etc. Um, we have 470 pages of complex analysis, uh, rather turgid stuff to go through. At no point in those 470 pages is it ever acknowledged that Eastern Park is a historic deer, point, a deer park dating back hundreds of years, five, seven hundred years, which has developed and retains its own distinctive biodiversity. This seems to me a major flaw. Turning to the social effects, looking at Objective 11, <coughs> to improve the population's health and promote social inclusion, again, at no point, uh, does the sustainability appraisal uh, point out that a major new town is proposed within five kilometres of a major and expanding airport in direct line with the prevailing wind 
immediately adjacent to one of the main time day, day flight paths and directly under one of the night flight paths. There's no reference to these facts in paragraphs 10.140 or 10.158, which addresses objective 11, or in the appendix 5, page 409. That seems to me an inherent failure. Moving on swiftly to objective 3 and 5 to conserve the landscape character and the cultural heritage character, um, again, the failure to recognize Eastern Park of what it is, the central feature of the Eastern Lodge, which was for hundreds of years, along with Audley End, one of the, main, one of the two major socio-economic units within the district, which remains remarkably intact. And from a central point within the, within the park, it is still quite easy to see the uh, delineation of the park. Um, to, not to recognize that at all in the analysis seems to me a fundamental failing. Um, so I think the conclusion that we, the locals, the, uh, 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 who do not have the benefit of the uh, legal training of many in this room, um, our conclusion is you, one can only see this uh, sustainability appraisal as contrived to fit a predetermined focus on garden cities, um, that it is done without proper consultation, and it is weighted to favour the allocation of Eastern Park. So reverting to your question, is it adequately and accurately assessed? The answer has to be no. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Thompson. So I'll turn to the council now. Just let me get back to where then we started. So if you tell me roughly which points you're addressing, because then I can write them at the other side of my notes that I've already taken, so they mean something when I go back home. And uh... Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Um, so, turning back through my pages to the start of... Uh, start yes, of the, Mr. Worrell was the first one, I think. Yes. Uh, I will um, attempt to cover those points which I can, and then... Yes, I mean, some of them might not need addressing or whatever, but where you think we need to address them, that's... Yes, and then I will allow um, others in, in the team to, to, to respond to those points which I've not covered all. Yeah, okay. Um, so, okay. Mr. Worrell's points around... Hatfield Heath um, and preventing it from growing. Um, I think I, I talked about the, the Greenbelt Review already and, and um, provided some, some document references there. Um, the Greenbelt Review has, has informed the, um, the local plan and the sustainability appraisal. The, as I don't have the document in, in front of me, but um, the Greenbelt Review looks at large parcels as, is, yes. as the standard in, in that kind of approach, um, rather than getting down to the, the nitty-gritty of individual sites. Um, I think I'm going to leave that point until further on in examination. So they didn't get down to a fine grain level yeah. like some plans do when they're looking to allocate sites? And yeah. Things, yeah. Um, if you start looking at individual... Um, individual parts of fields in a, in a greenbelt review, then you can end up in, with a Swiss cheese type greenbelt where little bits of little uh, parts of fields um, don't meet the purpose, but other parts do. And so if you then um, seek to implement 
uh, a review in that way, you'll have a, a wholly green belt. Yes. Um, but I, I feel we're I'm straying on to. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying yeah. on that point, yes. Um, turning to Mr. Cronk's points on SA review. Um, the updated SA did not inform the plan. I think we've already discussed that. Um, the historic England's concerns haven't been um, addressed. Uh, well, the, the SA uh, and the evidence base is the heritage impact assessment which was um, published in January of 2019. We have worked with Historic England on the development of that document. They, they still have some criticism over that, which um, they've, made in their, they've made in their matter statements, but we, we have tried to work with them. We have tried to work with them in the development of the evidence space and the development of the local plan. Um, and then uh, the SA seeks to, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. The heritage impact assessment was published after the sustainability appraisal. Um, so in that way, the, the, um, the January 2019 heritage impact assessment isn't incorporated into the sustainability appraisal, but the findings from it, from the heritage impact assessment that is, um, do not fundamentally undermine the, the previous the draft heritage impact assessment for May of last year, which the sustainability appraisal does take account of. Uh, Mr. Crock also made the point that the updated sustainability appraisal can't rely on, or the assessment of Western Braintree is flawed because Western Braintree can't be um, delivered without that part of the site in Braintree District also being delivered. That's something that the council recognises and has sought to address in the addendum of focus changes, um, which, as Mr. Bedford mentioned earlier, uh, recognises the elevated level of risk and also sets out what the council will do should there be uh, delivery concerns, should those delivery concerns materialise. Uh, turning to Mr. Robson, um, he references. Oh, no, he was highlighting something, but not necessarily address, raising a question now, I believe. So I'm going to skip over. It's about over the that. delivery of the sustainable transport options and, would, and of the effect on the scoring. Yes, and if they are not deliverable, then that would impact the scoring. I think that's a reasonable point to make. And the deliverability of those um, sustainable transport schemes will be discussed further in matter six. So I don't feel the need to go into any greater detail there. Yes. Um, so I didn't catch the name of the, of the next person. Mr. Powney is P-O-W-N-E-Y. Who's next? It's to do with the employment it land. It was to do with employment, yeah. yes. Thank you. Um, this was about relating to the um, site, the 27 hectare site on the edge of Takeley. Um, and who addressed... He raised concerns about the deliverability of um, the Stansted's North site, as well as um, the fact that we had applied too much weight to the CPZ, Countryside Protection Zone. Um, 
Similar to the Greenbelt Review document, uh, we have a review of the Countryside Protection Zone, which looks at um, the purpose of, of the parcels of land within the zone and um, how they help to um, keep Stansted as an airport in the countryside without a proliferation of um, industrial uses and car the parks. Ancillary and that, elements yeah, to the airport. That kind yeah. of thing. So that, that's the purpose of the CPZ and, and we have undertaken a recent review to ensure that it is still meeting those purposes. Um, so we don't think that we've attached too much weight to it. We think we've got appropriately evidenced, um, appropriate evidence to uh, support the conclusions that we've reached. Um, on the deliverability of Stansted um, Northside, I, I think we're straying again into matter six, I believe. Um, so I'm not going to go into too deep. No, that's that. fine. No. We can pick that up a week after next. Yeah. Uh, turning to Ms. Hutton, representing Great Chesterford. Um, I think I might ask Mr. Peaty to, to come in here on the, um, the assessment of the, the number of homes beyond the, the plan period. Um, yep, yeah, so in terms of the, there was the assessment, the appraisal of the garden community options, so those looked at uh, the level of growth to be delivered during and post plan period as well. And within section 10, we also consider all, you know, the the, the full amount of development proposed at the garden communities and we, we, we actually we, we responded to a query about that in um, examination document ED4 which summarises the, represent, the representations received on the submitted SA report. So actually a lot of these queries come up in that document and there's a response provided in ED4. Um, that's that, that, that. Uh, yes, yeah. the one with it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So that, that's, that summarises the statutory consultee uh, comments as well as other, uh, other representations as well. Um, so I mean, I, I just so I've got the mic as well, just a few general points yeah. because um, just to make is that, is that again, um, it's not the purpose of the SA to kind of assess the deliverability you know, of infrastructure. I mean, it's evidence-based. It needs to be proportionate. Um, we, we, we're, we state in there clearly that we assume that all development could deliver community infrastructure improvements, but you know within those district-wide, the appraisal of the district-wide spatial strategies in Appendix Five, we say that that the garden communities provide an opportunity, you know, given the scale of growth, to deliver, you know, significant improvements. So it's all stated in there, and the assumptions I hope are clear, um, and a judgment then made in terms of, you know. You know, within the comparative assessment of whether that will lead to a significant effect and the, the differences between the options. Um, so would that need to be revisited if, if through this process it was found that some, uh, for example, roads or whatever weren't deliverable or the um, rapid transit scheme, whatever it's called, um, there would need to be a reassessment through the SA and, and a rescoring. Yeah, like. but potentially, I mean, we do refer to the, the rapid transit corridor. So, I mean, yes. if it was something were to arise, a new piece of evidence, you know, as we would normally, any new piece of evidence, we need to take it into account and decide whether further essay work is needed and then whether that, 
you know, whether it significantly changes the findings and we need to do further appraisal work. Yeah. So it's kind of iterative process. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and just again, to, to state that the essay is one piece of evidence that informs decision making. Um, so um, there's a lot of comments on the uh, Appendix 4 and reasons for selection of rejection of sites and for why certain sites were inc weren't included in, in options for additional growth at existing settlements. But again, it's evidence-based. We're looking at the Greenbelt Review Report, you know, the work done in the Countryside Protection Zone. Um, uh, so, so we can't just ignore those, essentially. We need to take them into account. Um, and just to clarify that Appendix 4, the outline reasons for rejecting the site options are the councils. It's not you know, an essay reason for rejecting the sites. It's just there um, uh, for completeness to kind of set out those reasons. Um, I don't know what, in terms of specific points, um, where are we? I think, yeah, there was a lot about the infrastructure and we've touched on that. Um, the employment, uh, there was the, the comments around the employment land at Takeley, again, and why the SA didn't look at more detail around a kind of potentially district-wide distribution of employment sites. You know, I would say that the employment sites were subject to appraisal um, in Appendix 4, as were the other residential site options, um, and that we respond to that specific question about um, looking at district-wide um, employment uh, strategies um, in that e uh, examination document ED4, that, that question is raised there, and that explains essentially that we, you know, the, the that the, str the strategic opportunities afforded by the, the research park and things, um, you know, there were particular opportunities, so they were they were focused on. Um, and you know, another option wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be mutually exclusive, looking at smaller sites distributed around Ottlesford. Um, um, there's been quite a few comments made about landscape and heritage, and just not considering the, the, um, the full impacts of the plan. Uh, and I think, again, I just go back to the, you know, based on evidence, a judgment's been made. Um, and hopefully the reasons for that judgment are clear in the, in the report. Um, and you know, Historic England's comments, um, they, they feel that it's, that it's a stronger, it's, you know, there should be you know, more weight given to the heritage, but I think um, we give you know, equal consideration and weight to all the essay objectives within that chapter 10. Um, and you know, we've clearly set out the issues around garden communities um, and the spatial strategy and the plan as a whole. Um, there was a comment about cumulative effects. It might be worth covering. Yeah, I, I just glanced at that paragraph, and there, there's right. I mean, there's no specific mention of that development in, in Cambridge, but it does talk about growth, you know, uh, in surrounding areas and, and the, the incremental loss of, of um, greenfield sites on the edge of settlements, and you know, essentially sets out that there needs to be, you know. Um, effective communication and dialogue between the surrounding authorities and with the statutory consultees as well to try and issues, address these issues at a landscape, you know, a landscape scale. Madam, I think probably we'll, we'll get on to the detail of that, uh, particular issues in terms of sites to the north of the district, i.e. in South Cambridgeshire, when we deal with um, the... Um, 
North Uttlesford Garden community. But there is a distinction to be made between things which are commitments and things which are simply pending applications. Obviously, commitments could be planning permissions or development plan allocations in, let's say, an adjacent district's development plan. Things which are just pending applications but which are not yet uh, granted planning permission and which aren't allocations wouldn't be regarded as commitments and that would obviously have a bearing on the extent to which you would need to take those into account in any cumulative assessment of, as it were, other things which might be uh, in the offering. But obviously we'll look more at the detail of that when we come on to looking at North Uttlesford's um, implications and the, uh, the context in which that sits. Thank you. Mr. Peter, did you want to... Um, I'm just trying to... Is there anything else that's not been specifically that addressed? That was the one I had a big mark next to that I thought needed addressing. Just let me just run through... Um... Something that uh, it, was, it was Mr Bampton raised, and it, I noticed that was raised quite a lot in the statements, was that um, the benefit's the same as to any new houses. And um, Do you want to comment on that? Because it's something that was raised quite a lot. Yeah, I think I, think I touched on that before. Was that we, we, we state in there that we make the assumption that um, growth at the existing settlements you know, and the garden communities could all you know, equally uh, you know, could, could deliver improvements, but the garden communities offer... A, particular you know an opportunity in a, a critical mass that could deliver maybe potentially you know greater uh, new community infrastructure and be you know more self-contained and that assumptions in there um, and, and clearly um, yeah people disagree with with that judgment made in there but that's hopefully clear within their submitted essay report thank you Oh, I have to switch my it's there, it's there. Um, It was the comments made by Mr Thompson about Eastern Park. Am I feeding back somewhat? Try that. Um, about whether the historic deer park at that point um, and the influence of the airport and where those were taken into account in the essay. Uh, so, um, not within the SA, but um, the question about the amount of employment land that is uh, planned for at, um, at the airport and how much has been taken into account in the transport modelling, is that the, the question? No, no this is no, about... It so the wind and flight path. Yes, yeah, so, so the, in Appendix 4 um, of the, the, the analysis of site options, um, apologies, I can't remember the exact table, it's IV, C or D, okay. um, the, we look at the noise contours for the airport in relation to the site option, so for each site option, whether it falls within a particular noise contour on the airport, so there's that there. And I, th I think this, this question was also raised um, uh, for the... the submitted plan during consultation so there's a response to it in ED4 as well yeah, yeah. Okay. thank you
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have to share one. <laughs> um, are there any other points anybody wants to make based on what they've heard or things that they've... Uh, sorry. Miss Fiddy. Chloe Fiddy, I'm speaking on behalf of the Saffron Morden Town Council. I'm an employee at the council. Um, just to raise one small point because you, uh, which you raised, which was that... Uh, looking at um, whether the same benefits can be delivered from any sort of development, <laughs> whether it be from an existing settlement or a new settlement, um, I would say that there is a slight distinction. Good design can be achieved anywhere, and good layout uh, is not necessarily achievable in both places. I'm happy to <laughs> enlarge on that if you wish. Thank you. Is that the only point you want to Yeah, that was it. Just design, the question of design versus layout were two different things about deliverable. Okay, thank you. Mr. Bampt, oh, sorry, is there somebody else? Mr. Bustard. Jonathan Bustard, Natural England. I'm happy to provide an update um, as we approach the lunch break on the essay, if this is an appropriate time for that. Yeah, I think it's probably more... Just let me get my agenda. Um, Question four particularly, we've, we've made our reps on. but uh, That's right. So should we leave it till question four? We're still on question two at the so, moment. Yeah. Is there a particular point you want to make? It doesn't matter if the kind of... There seems to be a fair bit of overlap between the questions, so I just didn't I want think, to miss yes. the opportunity. So. And sometimes you get to the end, and, and, and I usually at the end say, is there anything else that anybody's kind of been waiting to say, and, you know, it's, not, it's got kind of missed. So. Okay, great. Thank um, you. Mr. Bump. Um, I, I just wanted to come back on the response about garden communities being able to provide more infrastructure than other developments. I wanted to understand what those assumptions that had been made were, because it wasn't apparent to me from reviewing the documents. And I, I would raise a particular concern on it that you get far lower land values generated from garden communities than you do from urban extension and smaller sites. Um, and that creates a viability issue if you are trying to deliver more infrastructure from them. Um, and then the second part of that is actually I think there's merit in urban extensions and smaller sites in terms of the infrastructure they can provide can actually address existing issues in communities, whereas that won't occur from the garden communities. So I yeah, just wanted to have more of an understanding of how you'd come up with those assumptions that don't seem apparent to me. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Fulton. Thank you, Mark. So on the point about um, what's actually been assessed and whether it's the 14,000 or the additional 20,000 as well, uh, reference was made to examination document four. I can't find the reference in there where this is addressed, so if I could ask through you for that to be provided. Um, Should we do that now so we can all oh, yeah. find it? What, 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 this was the... Re it's in ED4, which is... And where, which where? page yes. is it? <laughs> But do you know where about it? It's only quite a small document, isn't it? Yeah. Apologies. I think, obviously, I was thinking of the one where it refers to whether it considers the whole of the west of Braintree, which is question two, page seven. So there was a there was query whether whether the the essay the revised essay is not clear if it considers the whole of the west of Braintree garden community. So the response in there is that the appraisal of garden community options and spatial strategy options 
and summarised include, and then we say the appraisal of the local plan in Chapter 10 also takes account of the development being delivered at the Karna community both during and beyond the plan period. In terms of the others, is there somewhere you can take us to in the actual essay? If you go in the, in the actual essay in the main volume, page 68, paragraph 831, which comes at the end of a session discussing a number of issues about the garden communities, paragraph 831 says, taking the above into account, the following GC options have been identified for appraisal through the SA process, and then table 8.2 sets those out, uh, and then there's option 1, option 2, option 3, which in terms of the three locations, and then that is uh, identified as to the numbers of dwellings in the plan period, and then the delivery total uh, in the third column, uh, which sets out that uh, the SA considered both elements, uh, and then that obviously washes its way through the, the process. So it wasn't uh, the case that the SA only considered that portion of the garden communities that would come forward to 2033. The SA was aware of and took into account the post-2033 elements of those proposals. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just to, to further clarification, so in, in, in Chapter 10, which, contain, which presents the appraisal of the local plan... page number? Uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, it's page 116. 160. Yeah, so this is, it says the aim of this chapter is to present an appraisal of the submission plan under the essay framework. So that includes the policies for the garden communities, which set out the full level of growth that they're likely to deliver. Um, so it's an assessment of the plan, you know, has presented the pre-submission plan. Well, sorry, when I refer to the submission plan, to pre-submission plan and focus changes that were... Ten point one. Sorry, the introduction. So, so essentially, what I'm saying is, is that this this chapter assesses. Oh, sorry. One one six. Sorry, one one six. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, so that chapter sets out the appraisal of the plan as a whole. Which paragraph it number yeah, 10.1, the introduction. So it doesn't specifically right. say, you know, that this it considers, but it's considering the plan and the policy set out the level of growth at the garden communities, don't they? It do. the garden communities in full, so... It says that it will seek to deliver the majority of the growth within the three new garden communities. I'm not sure where it says. I think, I think the point that's being made is that what it assesses are the proposals in the plan. If you then look at, and obviously you have to read it together with the plan, so if, for example, SP6 is the proposal in the plan for the Eastern Park garden community, and the policy, i.e. that proposal which then is the subject of the SA, is for a new garden community of 10,000 homes at Eastern Park, and obviously then goes on to say, um, under land uses, will deliver 10,000 new dwellings, of which a minimum of 1,925 will be delivered by 2033. So in other words, if you assess that policy, you're assessing 
all of what that policy proposes, which is not only the proportion of development in the plan period, but also what the policy proposes after the plan period, which is also, I say, consistent with what Table 8.2 of the SA identifies, and that was page 69, yes. are the proposals which are being then the subject of the SA. So paragraph 10.1, which Mr Peaty referred to, is a shorthand. It's simply saying what we assessed was what's in the plan, and of course what's in the plan is not merely what's in the plan for the plan period, but in relation to the garden communities, what comes thereafter. Thank you. Does that... Is that helpful, Ms. Hutton? Or are you um, well, my first point is that paragraph 10.1 is at best ambiguous because, of course, the plan is up to the period 2033 uh, and hence the um, considerable confusion. It's chapter 10, which purports to be dealing with the um, effects, uh, social, environmental, economic, of the plan, uh, nowhere in that is this point about what's been assessed made uh, explicit. Um, that is problematic not only from a simple reasons point of view, but it's problematic because what it appears not that what hasn't been assessed is the impacts of effectively uh, planning for, uh, setting out the principle for uh, over twice the development that needs to be planned for for this plan period. Nowhere has that been explicitly addressed in this essay. Um, I'm going to come to this further under reasonable alternatives because it's very clear that what's happened there is that it's the assessment against the reasonable alternatives has stopped at 2033. Um, and, and that is clearly problematic because, of course, one very major difference between, for example, option with no garden communities and the options with garden communities is um, the first three options, which have the garden communities, lead to the setting down of principle of 20,000 more homes. Uh, of course, that's not uh, something that uh, pertains in the, in the final option, option three, with no garden communities. Um, as I say, I'm going to come back to that under the next question. Uh, but the, the problem, that, that, that um, is, is one example of why it is a problem that this essay does not deal with this matter head-on and address uh, the impacts of setting down um, the principal development for well beyond 2033 and for over double the housing that needs to be planned for. Thank you. There was somebody else. Mr ben Belton? Is I can't see for Belton. So it's yes. Mr Belton, yes, on behalf of Gladman. Thank you. Um, just a very quick and minor point, actually, just responding to something uh, Mr. Peaty said, and I think I jotted this down correctly, but I think his comment was that it's not the purpose of the SA to assess the deliverability of infrastructure enhancements, uh, which is something that surprised me. Um, and I say that because the SA is clearly placing quite significant weight in places on certain infrastructure enhancements when assessing different options. Um, and if no regard is given to the deliverability of those infrastructure enhancements, then it would seem to me that the resulting assessment uh, would be flawed. Uh, like Mr. Robson, we have expressed in our statements a number of concerns about um, transport enhancements and particularly the rapid transport system. Um, and it is our view that um, if the council are not certain of its deliverability, scoring one option uh, as being more positive than another would seem to be um, somewhat at risk of um, reaching an unsound and un unsafe conclusions.
Thank you. Is there anybody else? Perhaps just comment briefly on that. I mean, the point is, the SA is the SA of the plan's proposals. It goes back to the issue I raised at the outset of this discussion. Clearly, there are those who take different views about component elements of what the plan proposes, and they may seek to persuade you about those elements. But that's not to do with the legal compliance issue as to whether or not you've got an adequate uh, SA. Obviously, if ultimately you conclude that particular proposals are not justified that are in the plan, you will no doubt be recommending main modifications to address how that should be best dealt with. And obviously, if they are materially different to what's in the plan, there will have to be further SA work of the implications of that. But uh, I say that doesn't detract from the basic point that I made, that many of the comments that you've been hearing this morning are comments concerned with, as it were, jumping ahead to the next stage rather than actually dealing with uh, SA in terms of legal compliance. Thank you. Are there any, did you want to say anything else, Ms. Hutton, or have you forgotten to just put your card down? Oh. <laughs> Mr. Warrell, I'll take one more and then we'll break for lunch. I'll just jump in the bank, uh, just to listen while I was. Okay, so we'll come on to Greenbelt at a later, a later stage in the examination. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Mr. Worrell. Okay, did you want to say anything else before lunch? I think we've covered everything, haven't we? So it's, it's one o'clock. It's probably a good point to break and then come back and look at reasonable alternatives, which I think will be another um, largish topic to, um, to discuss. Um, and then we'll, we'll aim to obviously finish at um, five o'clock. Matter two and matter three hopefully won't take quite so long. Um, so, and I think probably we need an hour's lunch because there's not a lot of facilities immediately close to the council either for people to get a sandwich or whatever. So, so if we come back for um, two o'clock, I think I was supposed to mention this morning as well that there's tea and coffee somewhere outside. I don't know whether people found that themselves, but um, I'm not sure if it's uh, there at lunchtime as well if anybody wants any. Okay, thank you. Take these with me now because uh, we don't know what's in here at lunch time and we're not.
Well, back to Italia, Pete. Okay, thank you. Okay, Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.